It's our privilege. Thank you for making the time to be here this morning to our first-time visitors. I want to encourage you um, to please come back. Um, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, probably the next time you come back. So you're more than welcome to come back, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Hallelujah. I understand that you guys have finished a series called I Am, and Ramon has tasked me to, if I wanted to, introduce the new theme and the new focus of the topic that they're going to be focusing on for the next few weeks, and I understand it's a seasonal thing that you guys do here this time of the year, and I, I really battled with this. There's, there's very, very few topics that I battled to speak upon and speak on and, and, and share with you, but this is one of those because I don't do this. <laughs> I don't practice it. You know, it's one thing um, preaching up here when you know you're living down here. So I apologize to you folks this morning what I'm going to preach on. I'm going to preach on because I just felt God confirmed that I should and I'm going to. And the theme or the title, if I, if I get it right, I hope, is pause. Pause. Electronic devices today have some kind of a button on that has a symbol on it. Pause. Not stop, delete, rewind, forward one, fast forward, pause. And the concept that was shared with me was entering into a season or a time where we pause, take time to rest, look at ourselves introspectively, and take time just to spend with our families and friends and also with the Lord to take time out. And I, and I battled with this. I, I'm like, yes, Lord, I, I don't do this. I don't know how to do this. I'm just going to tell these people how to pause and rest. It's something that I really, really battle with. So by the grace of God, we're going to get into it and trust that he moves beyond the limitations of my speech and ministers his heart to each one of us this morning. Is that okay with you folks? So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 46 and verse 10. Psalm 46 and verse 10. If you do not have a Bible, sit next to a Christian. <laughs> Hallelujah. Psalm 46 and verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In order for us to get to a place where we pause and rest and just take time to chillax and listen to what God has to say, there's two prerequisites that need to be there, two requirements, and they are peace and trust. I cannot rest if I have no peace. I cannot rest if I have no peace peace. Now, I can't, rely on, I can't rely on God unless I've learned to trust Him and am actually trusting in Him for something. So those two criteria to be able to pause in the first place is peace and trust. Those things need to be present in my life before I can even consider pausing and taking the time to rest and relax a little bit. And we'll never have peace and we'll never have trust unless we've taken ownership of some promise of God. For me to have peace, I need to have a promise from the Prince of Peace. For me to have trust, I need to be leaning on the only one in whom I can trust till the very end. You see, because if I'm placing my trust in men and his things and his schemes and my ideas and my plans, somewhere along the line, people are going to disappoint me. I'm going to disappoint myself. So you're never, ever going to have peace and you're never, ever going to have trust unless you are appropriate in making your own some promise of God for yourself. This morning, church, what promise of God are you holding on to to get peace? What promise of God are you holding on to to trust Him? People do this. 
If there's some religious folks in the building, now you're going to manifest, say, I'm standing on the word. How can you do that? That's a Bible. It's sacrilege. I'm standing on the word. That's great. But what promise in there are you standing on? What life-changing word of God are you standing on? Understand, you're just quoting a corny Christian cliche. Yeah, I'm standing on the word, but okay. But what particular word are you trusting in the Lord for this morning? Maybe you say you're standing on the word and you wonder why you have no peace because there's no promise that you've yet made your own. Can you say amen? Can the rest of you say amen? (laughs) Anxiety will keep us away from being able to pause. There's this phenomenon today in the world that's so prevalent, it's, it's, it's depression. It's depression. And I know in my heart this morning there are precious brothers and sisters in the Lord Jah this morning that are suffering from depression and are victims of depression. It might be chemical, it might be a, a mental thing, it might be spiritual depression, there are various causes of it. But one of them, the scripture says, anxiety in the heart of man causes Depression. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25 in the New King James says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word, everybody say, good word. Good word makes it glad. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Therefore, it is critical that we have a good word that we've received from the Lord and we're making it our own. That means you've let it travel the longest distance known to man, from the head to the heart. It's not just chapter and verse that you've memorized, but it has sank here to the point where you realize realize, this is for me, this is mine. It's my word in season for me now, Lord, where I am at in my life. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. So before I can even contemplate and begin to think about pausing and resting, there needs to be peace and there needs to be trust. If you've got anxiety in your heart this morning, my encouragement to you is make the time to get a good word from the Lord. Now, mense, ek praat nie van een goeie preek nie, nee. As jy verochend die opgedaag het met die verwachting dat jy een goeie preek gaan kry, jy gaan bitter te leer gesteld word, hoor. Genuine. But if you came here with an expectancy in your spirit that God, I've got to get something from you today. He's going to do that because as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And if you search for him with all your heart in sincerity, Jeremiah 33.3, he will show you great and and mighty things which you didn't know if you came with all of your heart. And that's what it means when you receive a good word. How is it possible, folks, that one oak can give one message and it really bring life to multitudes of people? It's not about what I have to say this morning. It's about what you open your heart to what the Spirit of God wants to tell you right there where you're seated now. So if there's anxiety in your heart, take a moment and say, Spirit of God, speak to me now. And I just said some people have received things in their spirits already. I saw this image of Pentecost when tongues of fire just came upon certain people and their lives were never the same again. And if you're hungry this morning 
and you're really leaning forward, the Spirit of God will do just that and give you a good word that will make your heart glad and remove that anxiety in your spirit now. So receive that for yourselves this morning. And I'm done preaching in Jesus' name. Amen. No, no, no. But wait, there's more. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7 in the New King James. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Some translations say, pray about everything. Do that. Pray about everything. And receive the word from the Lord that you need to bring about peace. His peace. And receive it from Jesus this morning. The peace of God. What is the peace of God? This peace of God is where, in spite of everything, when nothing makes sense, when I have no reason to be peaceful about anything, that's the peace of God. The peace of God is when all the circumstances are dictating you to believe the opposite. Thus, it's binnen wat die wereld en die weer van die vijand nie kan aanraak nie. That no matter what happens to you on the outside, there's still peace. That You know what? I don't know it all, Lord. I don't see it all. I don't have an answer to all of this, but I have you, Lord, and that's all. If you have Jesus, what more do you need? That's the peace of God. That's why it transcends understanding. Understanding will try and categorize and understand and qualify and explain everything that's happening on the outside of you. The peace of God will give you rustigheid on the inside. You know how easy it is to stand here this morning and just to preach that. But to live it, to live it, last night, there's a portion of scripture where it describes a certain man. It's not describing me, but the principle is the same. That he lays on his bed like a door on hinges. Like that. And I was like, Colette and I, on our way out, we always, you know, in general, we ask each other in the morning, how are you doing? Great. Did you sleep well? And I was describing to her my night. It was interesting. I was like a door on hinges. Because I didn't have peace in my heart about something. And it's like that. And Colette is the type of blessed individual that she has to have a certain amount of coffee in the morning before she even believes God exists. <laughs> and while we were having this conversation in the car this morning, we got to the brink of having intense fellowship. And she said, I haven't had coffee this morning and I'm still sleeping. Just leave me alone. And that's fine, and I love her for that. And then what I had to do is I just had to remind myself, and I was sharing with David this morning, um, I had to remind myself of promises. And I just said, okay, Lord. And the, the stuff that the Spirit of God reminded me of, I had to speak it out. I had to proclaim it in the car while I was driving and let that word come from within, go in here, change my mind for me to have peace settling in my heart. I'm being real with you this morning. I can put on a show here and smile and do all the religious stuff, but I could have warfare on the inside. And I had to do that. I had to, I had to get hold of his word and get, take a word of his and make it mine. Take a promise and make it mine for me this morning. And I don't know how many scriptures I quoted, but I just kept on, I don't know, she'll tell you, a couple of stitches because she was stitching something, a couple of rows or whatever she was stitching. And then, and then it was like, <sighs> that peace came. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind by Christ Jesus. So 
En dan was ek recht om te preek, halleluja. His word changes the way we see things. His word changes the way we see things. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 8. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And in my notes, I highlighted own eyes. And I'll explain a little bit later. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Okay, what's the difference? What is wisdom then? You might have a definition or an understanding of what that means to you. But I submit this to you. Wisdom is seeing things through God's eyes. Think about that. Wisdom is seeing things through God's eyes. Onnoosigheid is, I'm acting in accordance with what I see. And that's limited by my perception, my understanding, my abilities, my knowledge, my inabilities, my shortcomings. That's when I see things through my own eyes. That's not wisdom, folks. That's plain That's a, that's a special kind of stupid. That's a special kind of stupid. But wisdom is seeing things through God's eyes. If I can do that, if we can do that, we're going to see things for how they actually are. And guess what? Whether it's come to pass or not, you will then understand that this story, if you read it in the end of the book, guess what? We won! Okay, you didn't get it. I'm going to come closer. We won! We win. We win in the end. We win in the end. You might think, okay, the chapter that you are in and the, the verse or whatever, it's like, it's it's moeilijke tie here, you know? Jesus told the disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. And then, and this says in the meantime, you know why it's called the meantime? Because it's mean. People are mean. Life is mean. But he said, I'll get you on the other side. And if you read the book, it tells us about what it's like on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, we win. We win. And wisdom is seeing it through God's eyes. We are busy stressing ourselves into a two-stunt, having to be on medication and pillikies and clinics established to deal with a thing called anxiety and depression. And I'm not knocking it. But if we just take the time to see it through his eyes. That's wisdom for life. And to be able to do that, we need to get to a place in our lives sometimes where we need to pause and rest and reflect and just be quiet and say, whoa, Lord, just, just let me have a checkup from the neck up and a paradigm shift and see things through your eyes. So this morning, how have you been looking at the challenges that you are facing? And if you're not facing a challenge, if you're riding the crest of a wave in your life and you've, you, you, you're on a high like second to none, and I'm not talking about a helicopter, I mean a spiritual and emotional high and a financial high and a physical high, it's all like a, the question still remains. Are you looking at that high through the eyes of God? Because the promises that you make to him in the good times, you're going to have to stick to in the bad times. That's wisdom for life, folks. Seeing things through God's eyes. Can you say amen? So, our own eyes versus God's eyes.
the message paraphrase in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Sounds like this. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And I'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Wow. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What an invitation. God's encouragement to all of us this morning is to do that. This season, the time of the year, weather-wise, season-wise, and for this time as, as a fellowship, as a church, as a body of believers, the local body here, season of resting and pausing, come to him. He's the word that became flesh. He's the living word of God. Come to Jesus. And you say, and I, when we say that, you so quickly inclined to think of it in terms of salvation. Yeah, I've come to Jesus. No, come to him. Get a word from him. When was the last time you got a specific word from God for yourself, for you? Like you know that that's meant for me. This morning, last week, last month, last year, that, I believe, is the season that the leadership of this church wants to get you in for now, to take the time to respond to this invitation from Jesus. Come, come to me. I'll show you how to really, really rest. And I, th this picture comes to mind as I speak of this particular scripture. Remember when the storm broke out in the boat and Jesus was busy tossing? You might be in the way you perceive things and the way you sense things, sense a nearness of Jesus like that, where he's in the boat of your life, but the storm's still raging. The storm's still raging. What did Jesus have to do? He had to wake up. He had to speak a word. He had to address the storm and say, peace, be still. Because although physically speaking and positionally, the disciples were close to him. I know what I would have done. Depending on the size of the boat, when that storm broke out, broke out and I realized I'm actually going to die now. I wanted to, Jesus, I'll wake this oak up now. I would have done something. If you don't know what that means, I don't know how to describe it to you. I don't know. Help me, so. You, you just get his attention. So, so positionally speaking you might sense an awareness of Christ like that but you haven't yet heard his word for the storm you're facing and he said peace be still I think sometimes he's depicted having to say storm ah, be quiet it's like imagine his cool calmness like just peace be still because authority is you doesn't have to you know the louder you shout doesn't mean you have more authority you know you're just making a noise but anyway so <laughs> It's funny, you know. <laughs> Just, uh, what's the last word that you've received from Jesus for your situation? That's what you're going to have to do. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to have trust until there's some promise of God that you've made your own for you for the season in which you find yourself. 
We will never be more publicly powerful than we are privately prayerful. I don't know how many years ago I heard that, and it still sticks with me today. Sometimes you need to just refocus your prayer life, your prayer pattern, your prayer habits to get this. Maybe you're, you're so busy that it's not like God hasn't spoken to you or he's ignored you or whatever. He's been speaking, but you're just so busy that you've not been able to hear or to receive from the Lord. And CMA being an evangelical outreach type of ministry where it's going out, going out, going out, and we need to be effective. And I, you're, I, I'm, uh, we're family this morning here, right? Some of you are like, mm-mm. But for those of you who consider yourselves as family, do I have the liberty to speak to family members this morning? Do I have the liberty to do that? Speaking of results, I was challenged with this the other day. We've been operating in this country amongst the motorcyclists, their friends and families, for 38 years odd now. And our membership is still at X amount. Sometimes a bit above, sometimes a bit below. For the business people here this morning, if your business venture was still showing the same and maybe less results for 38 years, would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with that? You'd want to change something, right? Because you're not making a profit. The business is not growing. Isn't that what it's about after all? Jesus said, I must be about my father's business, Luke 2.49. So if that's our results after 38 years, and folks, I'm including myself in this, something has to change. And I'm wondering, I will never be more publicly powerful than I'm privately prayerful. Maybe that's just for me. I know you guys have got it all worked out and your, your results are just excelling and flourishing, but that's just my perspective and that's all that it is, my perspective. What's the purpose of pausing and being quiet and being still? Pause to maintain. Maintain intimacy with the Father and sensitivity to the Spirit. We pause to maintain intimacy. I've had this thought, and like I said, being an evangelical outreach type of ministry, we want to see results, and we want to see fruit, and we want to see growth. But at the end of the day, my life's path has been run and walked, and I'm on a porch somewhere on a rocking chair because I can't get up on a motorcycle anymore. And if I've not led a single person to the Lord, and I've not built this, and I've not built that, and not counseled this, and not discipled that, and all I've done, is enjoyed a measure of intimacy with the Father. I've achieved my life's purpose because that's why we were made in the first place. Ministry success is a byproduct of intimacy with the Father. The priority is intimacy with Him. The ministry success will come afterwards. Can you say amen? May we never lose sight of that and never shift our focus from results, etc., etc. Never let ministry become anything else other than the pursuit of Jesus. That's not sitting well with some of you. I'm going to say it slowly. Never let ministry become anything else other than the pursuit of Jesus. So in this season where we go, where you guys, we're not pausing. We're like, we're looking for the nitrous button. But, but that's just where we are. You know, things happen a little bit slower there where we are. We're getting TV one one of these days, so... There'll be a time when we'll also have to pause and rest. But until such time, the purpose of pausing and resting is to maintain intimacy with the Father and sensitivity 
to the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, with, with every passing day, year after year, political change after political change, shift in the country after shift in the country, I'm realizing this more and more. Paul, you know what we need, my boy? Discernment, eh? Yes, but we need discernment. There's so much garbage out there in the name of Jesus. There's so much garbage out there spoken from behind pulpits in the name of Christianity. There's so much talk. There's so much nonsense. There's so much stuff in our lives and our family and our work. We need discernment. Ladies and gentlemen, we need discernment. Mensen, dat is onderscheiden. Jy sal moet kan onderskui tussen dit wat werkelijk waar van die afkom of dit wat van die vijand afkom. You need to discern, no matter what it looks like or sounds like. You need to discern. And to have discernment, ladies and gentlemen, I can only have discernment if I have intimacy with the Father and sensitivity to Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, because we're going to be washed away and sucked into all sort of things for it ons ons We'll be in heresy and deception and bondage and we'll be kept uh, in a place of um, uh, uh, passivity and mediocrity and settling for second fair best. We'll be a place of, you know where we'll be? We'll be in a place of surviving. Some of us are just grateful to be surviving today. You're not created to survive, you're created to thrive, man. Ooh. We create it to be even in the midst of all the difficulties. That's confirmation. David, I just want to say this to you, my boot. In in light of what we discussed earlier, God just showed me to tell you this. A samurai sword. Samurai swords, the traditional way that they were made, they were folded over and over and over and subjected to the heat and the beating and the beating. But the more they folded that steel and the more that that blade became stronger and stronger and stronger. And the folding and the beating and the heat that's busy taking place in your life and where God has called you is making you stronger and stronger and stronger until such time that that katana sword is a weapon of note. And that's the process that's busy taking place in your life, my brother. Receive that. And if you, if that word is applicable to you or whatever, that refining, that beating or whatever, they fold that steel again and again and again. And it has to be done in a certain temperature and in a certain way and a certain amount of times. So that katana sword can actually be an effective weapon in battle. And folks, we're going to need that discernment, folks. We're going to need that discernment so that we can endure till the end. I just sense to say that this morning, and that's uh, it's not part of the message, but John. Okay, so the purpose is to maintain intimacy with the Father and sensitivity to the Spirit. Don't violate the principle of the Sabbath. Regardless of what day you feel it should or shouldn't be on, the principle that Jesus, in a nutshell, without going too deep theologically, is the principle of the Sabbath, the principle of taking time in a week to rest, to sit down, shut up, and to listen what God has to say. Has to say. The principle of a Sabbath. You, if, you, if you're not doing that, not only are you going to burn yourself out, not only are you going to be discouraged and uh, distracted, etc., etc., because it's disobedience, that's simply what it is. Because it's disobedience, you open your life to all sorts of other demonic influence in your life because of disobedience. Simply because you do not rest. Can you say amen? Folks, you have to read. I don't care how busy you are. I don't care how important you are. I don't care how many people report to you, how much responsibility you have on your shoulder. 
Have you ever been busier than God? Have you ever had more responsibility than Jesus? He rested. Who the heck do you think you are that you don't need rest? Come on, man. Come on, man. You have to do it. You have to rest. You have to rest. You have to rest. If you don't do that, and it's not about which day it is, folks. It's the principle of finding your rest in your Sabbath in Him. According to Old Testament, they only had one day. New Testament, we can find our rest and our peace in Jesus 24 7, 365. Can you see the picture? That's the point I'm trying to make. Get to a place in your. If you are too busy for God, then you're too busy, period. Don't violate the principle of the Sabbath. Rest in Him. Can you say Amen? Because you quickly get to a place where you start fighting a spiritual battle with the arm of flesh, and you will always lose. Look at Jesus' ministry style and the way he did things. Now, we in CMA, and for many years, it's great, it's not wrong. It's just one of the ways we do things. Uh, before an outreach or a rally or whatever, we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and it's lack. And then afterwards, why, why do we stop? You know how Jesus did it. Jesus always prayed after the outreach, the rally, the crusade. Why? Because when do the birds of the air come to steal the word? After it's been sown. So we need to pray as if no work will help and work as if no prayer will help. We need to do that before the event and after the event. Once the seeds of the word have been sown into the people's lives through the ministry, then get together and pray over that word. Lord, send the right people across those people's paths to watch over that word. Send your angels, Lord, to minister to them, according to Hebrews 1.14. Minister to those lives that were touched. And watch over that word, Lord. Let it achieve your purposes and pray. That's how Jesus did it. One example, and there's many. Mark, uh, uh, Matthew 14.23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, this was after he fed 5,000 Thousands of people were fed. A huge, successful ministry outreach. In other words, it was a good rally. It was a good, fruitful day jaw. Can you say amen? You had lack of opportunities to share Jesus with people and to share your life with your God, with your biking brothers and sisters. So Jesus had just done that. And then it says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Interesting, isn't it? There's no account in Scripture of Jesus withdrawing himself before the outreach, praying up a storm, and then going to feed the 5,000. He did that all the time because the Scripture says that yet while it was still dark, a long way before anybody woke up, he went up and had intimacy with the Father. So I know he did it before, but particularly he did it afterwards. And that's what the season of pause for this body should also be about, taking the time just to have intimacy with the Father. It says, he sent the multitudes away, went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. Pausing is taking the time to switch your phone off and not answer it even when people call you. <laughs> That's part of pausing, and I'm being serious. Thank you, sir. That was on cue. We arranged beforehand to do that. See, switch the thing off, man. Just cut off. Stuff, electronic stuff, social media stuff. It's just, uh, uh, just, just switch it off. You will survive. You know that. You, you, you will. You know, there's a thing called, uh, it's, it's like a digital addiction thing. It's a phenomenon today. 
But people are addicted to like multimedia stuff and having some kind of electronic screen in front of them. It's an actual condition. I'm being serious. The clever people have found this out. I didn't find that out, but clever people did. So withdraw yourself from those things. Uh, there is work involved in this. It takes effort. How's just, Lord, how can you be in a position where you have to work at resting? As a pastor, that's difficult. I have to work at resting. I have to put effort into withdrawing myself. I have to work, make a conscious decision to sit down, shut up, and listen. That's like kind of weird, isn't it? Normally, rest is like the easiest thing. You just park off and blom, get the remote, and just feed your power hole and just chill. Yo, I, 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 I don't do that. I, I don't do that. But there is effort involved. Hebrews 4.11 from the King James. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter that rest. Let us labor to enter that rest. Notice the focus of the labor is to do what? I'll try that again. The focus of the labor is to do what? That's it. That's the focus of the labor. Not to work harder and busier and busier. Young, maybe God is telling you to work harder where you're at. Sometimes we just need to work smarter and not harder. Labor, therefore, to enter that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The New Living Translation, second edition of Hebrews 4.11, sounds like this. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. And the message paraphrase of that same chapter and, and verse Hebrews 4.11 says, So let's keep at it and eventually arrive at the place of rest and not drop out through some sort of disobedience. What word do you have or need to experience that rest from Jesus? As the worship team comes up, I didn't give this to the sound guys, but Isaiah 30 and verse 15 says, In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your peace. I want to read this WhatsApp text that I got from Dave Robertson a couple of days ago. And it was so fitting for this morning. God's saying, thank me for the conditions that are requiring you to be still. And it sounds like this. some of you might have received it. Do not spoil these quiet hours by wishing them away, waiting impatiently to be active again. Some of the greatest works in my kingdom have been done from sick beds and prison cells. Some of us only stop when we have no choice but to be still because on the stuck you're on a hospital bed, or you, I don't know, you just cannot move anymore. You've worked yourself into a, you, you, you've seized your engine. <laughs> don't wait until it gets to that place. Take the time to pause and do the necessary maintenance. Instead of resenting the limitations of a weakened body, search for my way in the midst of these very circumstances. Limitations can be liberating when your strongest desire is living close to me. Wow. Quietness and trust enhance your awareness of my presence 
with you. Do not despise these simple ways of serving me. Although you feel cut off from the activity of the world, your quiet trust makes a powerful statement in spiritual realms. As you meditate on that this morning, and I'm, I'm, I'm done preaching, I strongly encourage you, my brother, my sister, where you are at in your walk with God now. If you need a word from God that you, you need to trust in Him for something, and you need to have peace from Him concerning something in your life, right there where you're seated, would you just take a moment to do business with God and God promises you, and if you want, I can show you a written guarantee. I've got it in black and white, as they say, that God promises that if you search for Him with all your heart, you will find Him and you'll receive something from Him. I really sense that God wants to do that this morning for you. I ask you, please, in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit enable you to filter that busyness out or whatever the, the, the burden is that's been troubling you. Let us respond to the invitation of Jesus this morning. Come to him and in, in your own mind and in your own heart and in your own words, just say, Jesus, just speak to me. It might be a chapter and a verse that he brings to your memory. It might be a picture that you see. It might be a feeling that you sense. It might be something that he reminds you of a time where things were just better. However he speaks to you this morning, would you just receive that for yourself right now where you're seated? And in these, in these moments, Lord, we, we want to do this, Lord. We don't just want to discuss a topic and a theme for the sake of having something else to focus on for a couple of weeks, but we really, really want to just rest in you and, and find our peace in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we want you to quicken to our hearts the unforced rhythms of grace. We want to be taught by you how to truly rest, really rest in you. Father, the challenges that we face, we, we can't fix anyway. It's not helping me by staying anxious, Lord. It's not helping me by worrying and stressing and, and fretting. And certainly not helping me, Lord, by trying to bring peace, uh, trying to bring peace and, and calmness by anything else other than you. I've, I've tried all the chemicals. I've tried all the lusts of the flesh. I've, I've tried filling it with busyness and things and stuff. And it hasn't changed a thing, Lord. It's just complicated it and made it worse. And so, Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning, Lord. My prayer, Holy Spirit, is, as we, your children, seek you this morning, that you would bring your life and your word deposited this morning in people's hearts, Lord. Tenderly, gently, just give them exactly what they need to hear. Give us what we need, Lord. That bread of life, that refreshing drink of living water, we partake of that this morning, Lord, to receive that for ourselves. May we just allow you to take the time for your word to nourish our spirits, to nourish our hearts and quieten our minds, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Would you all please stand with me as we worship the Lord one more time together. I want to give you an opportunity this morning and 
Maybe there's a time in your life where you've experienced intimacy with Jesus a little bit more so than now. And you just like that intimacy restored and you'd like somebody to pray with you. The folks that are going to pray with you, we, we, we don't have answers. We don't have a formula or a quick fix scheme. But we can certainly come alongside you and pray with you and trust God with you for restoration of that peace, for restoration of that trust. And if you're at a place in your life where you just feel you want somebody just to come alongside with you and and to pray with you, um, we'd love to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. And I ask particularly, maybe you don't know Jesus like this. Maybe you don't have an intimate relationship with the Lord. Maybe the concept of the future is so frightening and so intimidating to you. Don't even know if you're going to see this coming week out. Maybe you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity. You don't know where you are in your relationship with God. You might think that you're not worthy of heaven. You're not going to live in heaven one day. You, if you are at any such place in your life, we'd love to pray for you. If you're uncertain in your relationship with God or you want somebody to pray for you, just to come alongside you and agree with you for peace and quietness. As we go into the next song, please come forward straight away. The ministry team, somebody will be up here to meet you. And I want to encourage you. It's not the folks that are going to have an answer for you, but God has an answer for you. We'd love to use this opportunity to pray with you. So please don't leave before you have somebody pray with you if you feel that need. Afterwards, make the time to visit with somebody and for have coffee and tea. And just remember, a stranger is just a friend that you've not yet met. But more importantly, don't leave. If you sense an inkling in your heart and your spirit that you'd like somebody to pray with you, don't put it off for next week's church service. You might not have the privilege of being here next week. Use the opportunity here and now. The Spirit of God is here now to minister His life, His peace into your soul and into your circumstances. So without further ado, as we get into the next song, please come forward uh, for ministry. Folks will be up here in front to pray with you. And if you really need to go, may Almighty God bless you and keep you. May God make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may God lift up His countenance over you and give you peace this week. In Jesus' name. We love you. Thank you. God bless you. Over to you, sir.